Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, good evening and welcome to our Good Shepherd Project Seminar. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and we welcome especially the clergy who are joining us tonight, pastors from various denominations, and we welcome the lay people as well who want to learn more about this important topic, how we avoid some of the most common traps about abortion. And by that I mean traps that we can fall into mentally when we're trying to lead people to a pro-life position, when we're trying to shepherd people. This Good Shepherd project is about helping our shepherds to be shepherds when it comes to the issue of abortion, when it comes to the teaching of pro-life that the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of life, brings to us. So we're going to pray and then I'm going to lead you through five different um, misconceptions, let's say, or traps that we need to help our people avoid. Let's turn to the Lord of life, let's turn to the one who has conquered death, and let's ask him for his help today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, you promised through your prophets that you would destroy the power of death, and you fulfilled that promise by sending your Son, Jesus Christ. By dying, he destroyed our death. By rising, he restored our life. He lives forevermore and he enables us to advance his kingdom of life. Help us, Father, to oppose and to abolish abortion. Help us, Father, to inspire our people within the church, our fellow disciples of Jesus Christ, to likewise do their part in abolishing abortion. And enable us, Lord, to think clearly on this issue, to lead compassionately and to organize effectively in order to bring about a culture where every child is welcomed in life and protected in law. We pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, let me first of all uh, remind you about the website for this project, thegoodshepherdproject.com. You'll find there, brothers and sisters, the seminars that we have given in the past as well as general information about the resources we have for churches and for clergy alike. TheGoodShepherdProject.com Now, there are various misconceptions about uh, the abortion issue, and you know, these can hinder clergy from properly addressing it. Uh, the first one is very, very basic. My people, my people in the congregation, already know what abortion is and what the pro-life message is as well. Now, obviously, people are going to know intellectually what we mean by abortion. Someone is pregnant and you're ending the pregnancy, but this is a trap. Because if we think this means they don't need us 
to teach them. They don't need us to give them a more precise awareness of what abortion is, more precise awareness of who the baby in the womb is, then we're gravely mistaken. In fact, the opponents of abortion would very much like for us to think this way. Because if our people already know everything they need to know about abortion, we can just keep quiet. When we keep quiet on this issue, that's how the other side wins. The other side can advance their propaganda, starting with, oh, well, it's not really a baby. Starting with, well, abortion is health care rather than an act of violence. Starting with, oh, well, abortion helps women rather than hurts them. And they get away with it. They get away with making people believe those things. How many people have seen the unborn baby? at seven, eight, nine, ten weeks of development. How many people have seen that baby? We need more education and we have more tools than we've ever had before. And you can see when you look at the website childrenbeforebirth.com the most striking video and still imagery of the unborn child that exists. Childrenbeforebirth.com, it's one of our websites. You can see there an app, a new app called See Baby Grow, which shows the baby in living color, moving and growing in the womb. You can see a lot of information there that I guarantee you most of the people in your congregation do not know. Yes, we know in a very general sense there's a baby there. But we don't know, most people do not realize, how well developed that baby is. How early that baby develops all the organ systems that are present in your body and mine. We need to help people zero in on that child so that we can counteract the propaganda of the other side that says it's not a child at all, or that says it's just a mass of tissue. Do not give in to this notion people already know what abortion is, because they don't adequately know who the baby is. The second thing they don't adequately know is how violent abortion is to the baby. And that's where lookatabortion.org is another key resource for you to use. One of the things I always say to people who may be discussing abortion with me and don't agree with the pro-life position is to ask them, a, ask them a simple question. Have you ever seen one? Have you ever seen an abortion? Have you ever even read a medical description of how the procedure is done? What do you think most people in your congregation would answer to that question? People don't know what an abortion is. You know, there have been various instances over recent years on social media where people in favor of abortion have claimed to be filming their abortion. I've seen at least a couple of these. And young woman will get in front of the camera and say, See, I'm having an abortion, I'm having an abortion. You didn't film your abortion. You filmed your face during the process of having your abortion. That's not filming an abortion. You want to film an abortion, 
you've got to get that camera to go where those surgical forceps or that suction tube are going. You've got to look at what's inside and what the abortion is taking out of your womb. You've got to look at the arms and the legs, the beating heart, the skull, the crushed skull, the brain matter flowing out. You've got to look. You want to see what an abortion is? You want to film an abortion? Actually, you can see some really disgusting and horrifying video of abortion at that website, as well as some still pictures of what an aborted baby looks like. But until you show that, you're not filming an abortion. Stop insulting our intelligence. You're filming yourself. You want to film the abortion, show what the abortion does to the baby and show what the mangled body parts look like. Then you're filming an abortion. People don't know what the violence of abortion looks like. And countless people identify seeing the imagery of what an abortion looks like as the moment their conscience was awakened. Whether they were pro-abortion and then they became pro-life, or whether they were pro-life or weren't doing or saying much about it and all of a sudden got activated, or whether they were planning for an abortion and seeing those images made them decide to protect that baby. No, they don't know the violence of abortion. And the third thing they don't realize is what abortion does to that mom, that dad, that entire family. And that's where our Silent No More awareness campaign comes in, silentnomore.com. But more specifically, the testimonies of those who have had abortions, because that's what our Silent No More campaign does, it lets those who have had this procedure speak. And you can read what they have to say at abortion testimonies. Com. No, people do not know the grief and the pain of those who have had abortions and share their testimonies, listen to the testimonies, watch them, read them, pass them along to others, pass them along to the church congregation. Then we're talking about people getting a knowledge of abortion. So, brothers and sisters, the bottom line is do not fall for this first trap that says, oh, well, they already know, they already know. That is just a temptation to keep quiet about it, and we don't win on this issue by keeping quiet about it. We win on this issue by talking about it and showing people the truth behind it. What's the second trap? It, that is abortion, doesn't occur in my congregation. Are you serious? Yes, it certainly does. We have in our country right now and fortunately, we've seen uh, the numbers of abortions going down each year. But we still have about a million abortions in America every year. Yes, when you consider that since Roe versus Wade, some 65 million of these procedures have occurred, around us, wherever we go, are people who have had 
abortions. Around us, furthermore, are people who are tempted to have abortions. Don't think that they're going to come up to you and wave their hand and say, oh yes, I'm one of those people who's thinking about abortion. Oh yes, I'm one of those people who had an abortion. They're not going to wear some kind of special insignia on their clothing saying that they did that. Where do we get this idea that abortion doesn't occur in the congregation simply because people don't talk about it? One of the symptoms that follows abortion is precisely the inability to talk about it, which is why a big part of the healing is precisely being able to discuss it. But yes, it occurs in your congregation. It occurs. Just the statistics alone show us that that's the case. Thirdly, and somewhat related to this, my congregation is elderly. So the implication there is they're beyond childbearing age, right? And therefore, abortion, which deals with pregnancy, isn't going to be a relevant issue for my congregation. Well, first of all, someone may be too old to have a child, but you're never too old to love one. You're never too old to save a child. And grandparents can have a significant influence on their grandsons or granddaughters who might be in a position where they're tempted to have an abortion or who might be in a position where they've already had an abortion and they can help them find healing. Or among the elderly in the congregation, you don't think that there are those that have had abortions in the past and have carried that secret, not for years, but for decades, eating away at their peace, their self-esteem, their relationship with God, their relationships with others. Of course, building on our previous point, when we consider that there have been 65 million abortions in America since 1973, and we still have a million a year going on, you've got elderly people who had abortions 40, 50, 60 years ago and haven't spoken to anybody about it. Maybe they're not even sure they can be forgiven. Maybe they're sitting in your congregation and maybe that's why they're not coming up for communion. Brothers and sisters, they need to hear about it. They need to hear about it and they need to know, as we say to everybody, elderly or not, that the gospel of life is the gospel of mercy and that anyone who has been through this can find in us and in the church the healing, the mercy, the welcome, the forgiveness that they long for and that God wants to give them even more than they want to receive it. Let's look at a fourth pitfall, trap, misunderstanding that we can fall into um, as we try to convey the pro-life message. And that's the idea that only women or primarily women, should talk about pro-life or abortion. 
Now, why would somebody say this? Well, because they presume that people are only going to listen to a woman because, after all, abortion is a woman's issue. Well, obviously, only a woman can get pregnant, despite the woke gender confusion of our times. Only a woman can get pregnant. And therefore, only a woman can have, can undergo in her body the abortion procedure. But brothers and sisters, abortion is not just a woman's issue. That's a talking point of the pro-choice side. And the reason that's just such, a, such an important talking point for their side is that when the abortion movement started in this country, this is how they were trying to sell it, that this is part of the advancement of women's rights and women's health, and they still talk that way. And you listen to politicians who are pro-abortion, and they're always talking about women's health care and women's choice. Is it really just a woman's issue? Did she get pregnant alone? First of all, a man is always involved because a man is the father of that very child in that mother's womb. And when she loses a child, so does the father. When she loses a child, the father loses that child too. And very often, it's the absence of the father that increases her temptation to abort. Or it may be the presence of the father pushing her, forcing her to have that abortion. Oh, he's involved. And just stepping back and looking at it from the point of view that there is a child involved whose fundamental right to life is at stake, can people of only one gender speak up for human rights? Are not people of both genders, male and female, not only able to, but required to speak up in defense of life? Could only women defend a child? Isn't it integral to the calling and nature of a man to be a protector of people in danger or in need? To be a protector of children? To say that only women should talk about pro-life is to actually reinforce the message of the other side. Now, we agree, and we do this. I just told you earlier about our Silent No More campaign where we do put the voices of women front and center because they had the abortion and they can speak from experience about what it's like and encourage other women in the same circumstances that they faced to do the right thing. But that doesn't mean that only or even primarily women should speak about pro-life because if we say that, what are we saying to the men? In order to create a culture of life, it's not just about convincing the woman to go through with the pregnancy. It's about giving her the support system that God intended for her to be able to do such a marvelous thing. And that support system, front and center, includes a man. It includes a whole family. A whole family has to say yes to life. The family is the sanctuary of life. How can we say that we want to promote a culture of life and not be talking about the family? God brings life about through the loving union of a man and a woman called to be generous and, 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 and to welcome from God the gift of a family. When the woman is isolated and people pretend that it's only her choice and only her decision, do you know what happens then? She feels more isolated. 
And what happens then to the temptation to have an abortion? It increases. It doesn't decrease. Sometimes guys think that the right thing to say to somebody who's pregnant and is, oh, well, I respect your choice. It's up to you. I'm not going to interfere. You're the one that has to make the decision. That only, feel, that only makes her feel more isolated. Oh, now all the weight of this big life and death decision is on her shoulders. Where's my help? Where's my encouragement? Where's my support? She's left wondering to herself. We know this. Not only from the statistics, but from the experience we have every day helping women who are tempted to have abortions or helping those who have already done so. No, it's not just a matter for women. How many of our legislators who are working on the state and federal level to pass laws that protect these children are men? Do we not want to encourage them to speak out? And then, of course, so appropriate to ask in a seminar that's helping clergy, what about the clergy? Most of the clergy are men. And when we say in the pro-life movement, or if we say that only women should be the ones front and center representing this message, that's just another way of saying to the clergy, you guys shut up about something you don't know about. No, we don't want the clergy to shut up. We want the clergy to speak up. And one of the ways we do so is by pointing out this is a human rights issue. This is a matter of love. This is a matter of building a culture of life. And men and women have to come together and build it together based on the family. A final pitfall I want to uh, point out to you. And this one will surprise you. Because the statement itself is true. But I want to show how it can become a pitfall. The statement itself is true. Let me emphasize that before I put it up on the board. We stand for the sanctity of life from, here's the phrase we often hear, especially in the churches, from conception to natural death. Well, of course we do. Let me start by saying that. Of course we do. That's our ethic. We stand for and with every human life at every stage of development, no matter what the threat is against that life or its dignity or its freedom. Yes, we stand for human life from conception to natural death. What's the pitfall, therefore, that I'm pointing out? What's the trap? The trap is to think that every time we're going to talk about abortion, we've got to talk about all the other issues or we've got to point to all the other issues. No, we don't. The trap is that every time we try to advocate for the unborn, we've got to be advocating for everybody else. We do advocate for everybody else. But brothers and sisters, so does the person who's running the local soup kitchen. I don't doubt that they advocate for everybody else. I don't think they're only concerned about people who don't have lunch for the day. They're helping people in a specific circumstance. If you're going to start a food kitchen, you, 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 you've, got to look, you've got to learn something about soup kitchens. You've got to get some advice. You've got to follow certain specific rules. You've got to get people to do it the right way. 
How do you how do you feed a lot of people with soup? How do you keep the soup hot? What what are the laws that you have to? There's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. And if you're going to open a soup kitchen, you're probably not opening a hospital. And if you, on the other hand, are starting a hospital uh, or working full time in a hospital to care for the sick, you're probably not running a soup kitchen. And you're probably not running an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, place either. But if you do run an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, I don't doubt that you're concerned about people who aren't alcoholics. The point I'm making is this. This describes an ethic. We are indeed committed to the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. That's an ethic. That is not a mission. A mission is much more specific. How are you, you're as an individual, or as a group, as an organization, as a ministry, how are we as priests for life, what are we going to do with our limited time and resources, what are we going to do to help bring this ethic, this vision, if you will, is another word we can use for it, into reality? How are we going to build a culture of life? How are we going to defend life from conception and natural death? It's going to be a small part of that that constitutes the mission of an organization. You can't say that the mission of an organization is to promote the sanctity of life from conception and natural death because how in the world do you, does anybody do that? You... Garbage disposal in your local community, potholes on your highways. Uh, these are, these, are, these are, are issues that affect life from conception to natural death, do they not? Every issue affects life at some point between conception and natural death. Every issue, otherwise it wouldn't be an issue. A mission has got to be more specific than that. Our mission at Priests for Life is to equip God's people to end abortion. You notice how we're being specific here. A specific group of people, the unborn, space, facing a specific form of violence, the threat of abortion, which dismembers them, decapitates them, throws them in the garbage. We're here to stop that. We're here to protect that specific group of people. That's part of the bigger vision of the sanctity of life from conception to natural death, yes. But in talking about that, you know what? It's okay to just talk about that. It's okay to just talk about abortion. It's okay to just focus on the unborn. Because focusing on the unborn doesn't mean we don't care about everybody else. It means we have a mission. And that mission is very specific. And that mission is big enough to warrant all the time and energy and effort of a lifetime and more. So brothers and sisters, to put this in a different way, we cannot afford our message and our mission to become diluted and so broad that we can't really 
get anything done. Be specific. Be focused. You know, Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, who was the Archbishop of Chicago, I knew him actually when I was in the early years of my Priests for Life work. In fact, he allowed one of his priests from Chicago to join me in leadership of Priests for Life at the beginning in the mid-1990s. He was known for advocating the consistent ethic of life that some people called the, the, the seamless garment. Again, this ethic of all life, all the issues, conception and natural death. And even he pointed out very explicitly in his talks, which you can find on our website, endabortion.us, that although all the issues are linked and they're all important, people are not expected to do something about everything. People are expected to find their vocation and to focus on the mission God has given them. I know the mission God has given me. We know our mission here in this organization. And I know many of you share the very same mission. We're here to end abortion. And then you go from there into specific tasks, projects, objectives. And one of those pro projects is the one you're partaking in right now, the Good Shepherd Project seminar. Again, thegoodshepherdproject.com. Go there and see the other seminars we've put together. So once again, to summarize, we've talked about five common traps. Oh, there are many, many others. But people know, people do not know what it is. Don't assume that they do. Yes, it does happen in your congregation. Don't assume that it doesn't. The members of your congregation might be elderly, but you're never too old to save a life. Women should not be the only ones who feel that they should be conveying the pro-life message. It's a human rights message. All of us have a duty to proclaim it. And yes, we stand for the sanctity of all life, but we've got to focus in on our mission, and ours is to help the unborn be safe from abortion. Let's turn to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you for this time together tonight in clarifying these these basic concepts which are so important for the effectiveness of the ministry of the church when it comes to pro-life. Bless all the clergy. Make them good shepherds. Enable them to voice this message with clarity, courage, and compassion. Enable your people, Lord God, to hear the message that yes, we love them both. We love the child. We love the the mother, we love the, the father, the family, we serve them all. Enable us, Lord, to move forward to oppose the various efforts of the abortion industry to put constitutional amendments in places now where they want abortion without any limits. Lord, our people have never stood for that, have never accepted that. May we resist those efforts. Allow us to elect candidates, Lord, who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. Bring us, O oh God, a culture of life. Bring forgiveness to all those who have had abortions. Bring strength and, and help to all those tempted to have abortions. Let them know that there are so many alternatives. And bless all those who have responsibility in our public life for protecting life. May they fulfill that responsibility faithfully. We now pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's invoke our Heavenly Mother, the Mother of Life. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I want to show you two more things before we go. This is Respect Life Month. Many churches observe this month of October as a special time to advance the pro-life message. If you want ideas, resources for your church, what can we do for pro-life, we have a special website, prolife.church. Church is actually a web extension a domain. Prolife.church, you will find prayer resources, preaching resources, activities for your parish, lots of educational and pastoral information there. And finally, I want to invite you to connect with me on social media. Some of you are watching me right now on my social media platforms, but I'd like you to connect with me on all of them. And my address on the social media platforms is very simply at frank Pavone. Let's connect there. Let's follow one another. Let's keep each other informed and encouraged as we go on in this great, great task of building the culture of life. God bless you all. We will talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.